This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we have Michael Zuber again. Michael Zuber is a real estate investor in the Bay Area who has most of his properties in Fresno, California. Michael is a buy and hold investor, a flipper. He has a great YouTube channel called One Rental at a Time, a great best-selling book on Amazon, and he was even someone who presented at my meetup group. Uh, Michael and I have a great friendship, and I'm very happy to have him back on the show again. He was actually back on the show on episode 50, so if you haven't heard his story of how he started his real estate investing journey and what he's doing now, go ahead and check that out. Today, I wanted to bring him back to talk about his updates from last year and how he has a new commercial property called The Hub where he has a bunch of real estate professionals all in one building in Fresno. And because he has a real estate investing YouTube channel where he talks to local professionals almost every single day, I want to get his take on how the coronavirus is going to affect the market as well. If you're new to this podcast, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com podcast. By the way, if you need help financing your next real estate project, Check out Conventus Lending. Conventus is the best hard money lender with amazing rates and incredible service. I've used them for years and they've always been incredibly easy to work with. If you need a hard money loan, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. And if you want to know the secrets of how investors in the Bay Area are making huge profits in one of the most expensive markets in the world, download the free Ultimate Bay Area Investing Handbook on our website, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. All right, Michael, thanks so much for being on the show today. So uh, for those of you who don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Yeah, so again, Michael Zuber, um, best known for a book called One Rental at a Time. It is basically my story of working a full-time job in the Silicon Valley, starting with a single rental way back in 2003. Investing through the huge run-up, the crash, the ultimate return, ultimately exited the, the Silicon Valley life uh, two years ago, about two and a half years ago now. And uh, the wife and I have been retired and enjoying life. So One Rental at a Time is our story. It's, it's the book. It's on Amazon. And uh, I'm enjoying putting content out every single day on a YouTube channel by the same name, One Rental at a Time. Yeah. I love your book and your YouTube channel. And we actually had you on the show back on episode 50. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, go check out that episode back at episode 50 to learn more about the journey of buying One Rental at a Time to create financial freedom. So I want to get like an update. You know, what have you done sure. in the past year? Uh, your YouTube channel has blown up since that time. And yeah, go ahead and just tell us what's, what's going on with you. Yeah, so a couple of things. So something I, you know, again, as you'll see in episode 50, I'm I just a buy and hold landlord guy that took advantage of run-ups in the market and not. So go back to hear that story in that episode. But something I did after I left the work is I had to figure out something to do with my time, right? You, you always talk about being, you know, you want to be financially free so you can have all this free time. But what you don't realize is when you get there, time is, there's a lot of time, right? And being a buy and hold landlord guy who, who outsources everything, you know, you spend maybe, maybe an hour a week on your rental properties. It's, it's just, it doesn't consume a lot of time. So I needed to find something to do. Uh, I knew uh, that there were a lot of investors like I was in the beginning that would benefit from somebody creating a new kind of flip or a new kind of turnkey. 
So I, uh, I spent the last couple of years, I flipped for almost 45. I have one more in, in escrow right now. When that one completes, it'll be my 45th flip. I call them converting slumlord to pride of ownership rentals. So I've taken 45 properties that were extremely disgusting, probably should have been condemned, spent on average $40,000 uh, turning them to pride of ownership, meaning brand new kitchens, new baths, new floor, new paint, new windows, new roof, new heating, cooling, all that stuff. And um, ultimately sold them uh, to landlords. They you know, traditionally put 30% down. Uh, they're also leased. So I own them. I lease them up. Um, you know, so they can just slide right in, use the same property manager that I use if they choose to. And it's been pretty, um, you know, satisfying, right. To, to turn 45 ugly properties into something in about two years, uh, helping it's probably 25 different investors because many people have bought more than one. Uh, but yeah, that, that's been the, that's really been the big change. Um, you know, it's not about the, the, the revenue numbers, but you know, I, I make, I make a little money on each one, uh, but I get to help people. I get to help the neighborhood. I get to stay engaged. I now have a reason to go down to Fresno instead of just kicking rocks at my rentals. Uh, I get to watch manage multiple teams. It's just more mentally stimulating. Uh, so that's been a big, big deal. And then the YouTube channel, right? I, uh, I listened to Gary V uh, when he, he had an interview with Nipsey Hussle. Uh, before Nipsey unfortunately passed and talked about, Hey, you know, if you're going to do a record Nipsey, why don't you do music every day? And I'm like, you know what, instead of doing, you know, YouTube sporadically three or four times a week, let's do it every day. And, you know, so I've created, you know, I do a daily financial show. So I get up at six and by seven 30, I'm telling everybody what I read that day. And I'm in, I'm always interpreting the data because I think it's important to say, what, what does it mean to me? It's, it's, I don't want to just repeat headlines. That's not relevant. I want to talk about how, what the headlines mean to me as a real estate investor, right? What does it mean for cost of capital? What does it mean for uh, the consumer behavior? What does it mean for owner-occupant buyers? And the beauty now is I've been doing it for almost a year is you can go back and check out how I've done. And, um, you know, I'm on a hot streak, frankly, you know, uh, probably 75, 25 versus right versus wrong. And I'm glad that they're all there. So you can go watch them and see how I did and see my spectacular fails and see the ones I got right. And um, you know, most importantly, now I get to, to blend my buy and hold, my flipping business and the YouTube channels. I get to tell everybody what I'm doing, right? So I made a big declaration last week that I was starting to get aggressive by offering in the MLS, uh, like the multiple, list, multiple listing service. This is something that I built my entire portfolio on was buying out of the MLS because I wasn't a wholesaler. I had a day job. I didn't know what was going on, but I learned my market and uh, I knew there were going to be deals. Uh, so I picked up a few over the last couple of years out of the MLS, but it was hard, right? There's too many buyers. Everybody can get a loan. But man, lending just changed. Lending changed multifamily. Lending changed residential with Chase just the other day. And I'm like, cool, time to get greedy. So I love the fact that I can just tell everybody in the world what I'm doing. And, um, you know, we're up to 5,500 subscribers thereabouts. And um, I'm thankful for each and every one of them. It's fun. And you know, daily content's the thing. And I mean, every day. I mean, when I'm sick, I do one. When I'm my birthday, I do one. Christmas, I do one. I, I'll do one every single day. And frankly, I average two or three videos a day, but there will at least be one. That's awesome. Consistency is key. And I remember late last year, you were pushing to get, I think, 2,000, right? You were like, yeah, hey, probably. guys, help me get to 2,000. And then boom, you just soar right past it. Now you're at 5,500, which is great. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. And by the way, thanks for letting us come to your uh, 
properties over in Fresno last mm -hmm. summer. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, I was actually able to go with Michael, with my girlfriend Sharon, to his properties over in Fresno. And you can yeah. see the videos somewhere up there. I'll put the card up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, she looked, uh, Sharon uh, is the she in this story. Uh, she looked at a property on LaSalle. That was, that, was a good little, that was a good little property. She passed on it for bigger and better things. That's all good. But yeah, that sold to someone else and moved in, appraised. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a good investment. Do you want to talk about that deal a little bit? Because I remember yeah. she looked at it. And of course, this was like her first deal. So she was really scared of numbers. Uh, but I don't remember what they were. Do you have yeah, uh, I'll be close, right? We can always look them out. So th this was a, uh, in Fresno, they, the older houses, this house was probably built in the 1940s, maybe 50s. It was an old two house is on one lot, right? So the main, the main family would live in the big house and then you would have, depending on who was in the main house, it would either be ki adult kids in the back or it would be grandma in the back, right? Depending on how the relationship was. I call it multi-generational uh, multi living. Uh, and what we did is we bought the house for $98,000, I believe. I think we spent about $42,000 on it. So I was all in at 140. Uh, you know, you add carrying cost of, uh, or closing costs, call it six to eight grand, call it 150 all in. Uh, and we ended up selling that for 177. Uh, it rented, uh, rented for 1350. So, um, you know, you could do your own math. I think interest rates at the time were probably four and a half percent. So uh, my investor, who's actually bought several for me, is getting about a 6.2, 6.3% yield. He put 30% down. Um, and again, we, we put the tenant in, we did everything, everything there is new. Um, the only thing we didn't do was the yard, right? We don't typically do the yards, uh, but the houses are, uh, are brand new. So yeah, that was a nice one. Four, yeah. I think it was 1417 LaSalle, but I could be wrong. I have, I, I own a lot. So the address is probably wrong. I, just, I remember street names better than numbers. Yeah. It's pretty cool that you have like kind of the opposite model for most of us. Like most of us want to do flipping so that we can get the capital to then buy buy and hold rentals. Whereas mm -hmm. you just had a bunch of rentals and now you're like a lot of free time. What should I do? <laughs> All right. Let me just flip 45 houses in two years. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. 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 Again, I, I'm, you know, if you know my real, I was very against ant flipping, right? I, I was always, you know what, if I ever find a deal, the last thing I want to do is sell it. Um, and that's still true today, but now I just buy for a different reason, right? I, I buy because I, I want to improve the neighborhoods. I have other assets in these areas. So if I increase the value of those, I increase the value of my portfolio. And also I get to help people, right? I do get asked a lot, you know, why don't you keep them? Well, you know, even with a decent nest egg, eventually if you buy everything and just keep them, you, don't, you run out of capital, right? So if I flip, you know, again, 45 seems like a big number. It's, it's you know, it's 20 a year or so. Um, I'm still adding to my buy and hold. I'm still predominantly a buy and hold guy. I will buy and hold more properties in 2020 than I'll flip. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I want to flip. It helps people. It keeps me, it's, it's not boring, right? Being a buy and hold landlord for the most part is boring. Uh, it's a little more fun now with, you know, the threat of not people not paying rent, but uh, traditional times it's, it's, um, it's pretty boring actually. Yeah. Flipping can be too exciting sometimes. And then you start <laughs> getting white hair and like, upset stomachs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I flip below the median and the beauty of my model is my worst case scenario is I keep it as a rental. That's my worst case, right? I don't do, I don't flip to owner occupant. So I don't deal with FHA picky buyers. I don't deal with inspections. You know, if, if, if a house didn't have a garage and it wouldn't sell for me, great. I'll stick a tenant in it. I'm good. Right. Uh, so I always buy knowing my worst case scenario. Um, 
that's kind of a benefit for sure. Cause I can always just stick it in my buy and hold portfolio and be okay, fine. It's a rental for another couple of years. And then I sell it and have capital gains versus ordinary income, you know, lot, lots of choices. Yeah. And uh, do you want to share your business model? Because I remember when you told us back last summer, it seemed very interesting where you can just get money from another investor to help you on these projects. Yeah. One of the things I realized is um, just like 2010 to tie this together, right? In 2010, banks turned off much like they're doing today in 2020. Banks turned off, right? And what I mean by turned off is we had 800 credit score. We had a mil, you know, million dollar net worth um, and six figure income. And by the way, we were both working, the wife and I. So we were like class A, you know, perfect borrowers. But even in 2010, banks wouldn't lend to us. The problem was, is we were finding houses for land value, right? You can go back and look at the 40 or so houses we bought at that time. And they're between 40 and 50 grand. And that's about what the lot costs. And we, we, the only thing we knew is we wanted to buy as much as possible. So we got into private money by accident, right? I kept telling people what we were doing. At the time, I had a, a website called wealthbuildingpro.com. I just documented every house we bought. This is what we did. This is what we did. This is what we did. We did. And pretty soon, I had people bringing, reaching out to us saying, hey, I want to lend to you. So we did private money for the first time in 2010-11. We paid 10% interest only. And we were able to recycle our capital, right? So we'd buy something for 40 grand. We'd then come back and put uh, a lender in place for 40 grand. We'd fix it up and then we'd just keep it. And um, that worked really well for us. So now fast forward to 2020, actually 2018, I'm doing this flipping model. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying three, four, five at a time. And I'm like, shoot, I got 400 grand out, right? 500 grand out. Um, I got to stop. And then I just realized, you know what, if I create a model that is very similar to what we did in 2010, I bet I can get private money again. But I thought about it because the world was different. What was happening in 2010? Well, Lehman Brothers just went out. Everybody was scared. Banks were paying less than 1%. 2018, man, 2018 was a good time. People wanted, people wanted the upside. They weren't scared, right? 2018 was awesome. So I'm like, okay, well, 10% is not going to work. Plus that's a hell of a carrying cost and they probably won't cash flow for my worst case scenario. So let's do something different. And I ended up creating something called six and 20. What I did is I now buy that same thing. It's no longer 40 grand. It's now a hundred grand. I then put a private investor in place and pay them 6% interest only for the, you know, for, for each month, which turns out to $500 just for the math. And then what I do is I go spend my capital doing the repair. So I'll spend the 40 grand or the 42 grand, like in the LaSalle example, which does a couple of things. First off, it makes me feel better. I don't borrow purchase price and repairs. The investor is protected. Uh, second, I have my worst case scenario connected, uh, covered. So if I have to rent it out, as we talked earlier, I pay 500 bucks a month for the mortgage um, and my rent's 1250 or 13 or whatever it was on LaSalle. So I got plenty of cash flow. Um, but what happens now is I fix it up. I sell LaSalle, I pay off the lender and then I give them 20% of the profit. So if I made 25 grand on LaSalle after net, 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 I give the investor five grand and I keep 20. So in general, my private investors are very happy. I did a video on this, I think two or three days ago, and I raised a million bucks in 48 hours um, because I told everybody I was going to get aggressive and people are like, Oh, if he's going to get aggressive, I want to give him some money. And, um, it's great when you put together a program that protects the investor, pays them a, a fair, a fair wage. You have your worst case scenario covered um, and you can just do what you're good at. It's, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, the, it's the six and 20 program has been awesome for me. Uh, again, I, I told people what I was going to do. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday and by Thursday, I had a million bucks in commitments. 
Uh, and just to be clear, the million bucks is from four people, right? It's not like I had 20 people reach out to me. It's four, four guys that said, Hey, I want to be a part of it. You know, committing anywhere from two to 400 grand. And uh, again, I don't want the money. I just want to put it up there in pencil. So as I buy stuff, I can use my capital, buy it, refi out, put them in first position, name them on insurance, do the repairs, uh, and then sell it. So I'll be able to leverage my, you know, whatever number you want to say, I have uh, a lot more by leveraging the six and 20 program. So it's, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it for other people out there looking to get private money. It, it seems investors seem to like it. Well, I don't think they're going to give it to anybody. You, they want to see you have a track record first, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and of course, I'm pretty sure your thought leadership platform through your books or through your YouTube channel has helped you uh, get investors and also mm -hmm. get potential buyers for your end projects. Yeah, I would say of the, let's just call it 45 houses. Um, I would say 15 to 18 of them were in my personal network already, meaning before I retired. So they were really friends. But the other, whatever that is, 27 or so, uh, were because of the YouTube channel or the book. It's really the YouTube channel, right? That gets the daily stuff. They may have read the book first, but the, the YouTube channel is all over the book. Um, but yeah, they've reached out. And, and I would say 28 of the buyers, um, you know, I did not know three years ago. Uh, I now have relationships and friendships, much like, much like you and I, uh, that have blossomed from it. Um, but yeah, I would say... Yeah, certainly more than half, more than 60% of my buyers have been people who watch the channel. That's very true. Nice. And since last year, you also started your hub. Do you want to talk about your hub? Yeah. So I've always, I've always had the idea that I want to do something more permanent in Fresno, right? Fresno is my investment. It's in the Central Valley. Um, I've still never spent the night there. Uh, I have 95% of my net worth there. Um, I truly like to help people um, just like you, I share. And I think Olivia was even with us on that trip. Um, you know, going to Fresno is fun, but it's a long day for me. Right. And, and I can't say yes to everybody that wants to go. So I was, I've always known that I wanted to do something. So I bought a very nice, um, or I, it wasn't very nice when I bought it, but it became very nice when I spent 50 grand on it uh, building on Van Ness um, it's right by Fresno city college in a part of town that's called the tower, which is the nice artsy area. And, uh, it has lots of little rooms in it. It used to be a dentist office. Uh, so it's got seven offices and some living or some just open space and then a, uh, a lobby, I guess. So what I did is I, I wanted to put real estate professionals in there. And when I created this idea again in 2019, before this health event, um, it was like, you know what? I'm not going to charge a lot of rent because again, I bought the building cash. I don't have any debt on it. Um, I'm just going to charge a little bit of rent because I want those people to help me, these, these independent companies. But more, more importantly, honestly, I wanted that building to produce one deal a month for me, right? Because the problem for me was I had capital, I had private capital, but I didn't have enough deal flow because the market was so hot in 2019. So what I did is I put in three different wholesalers. I put in two different real licensed real estate agents. I put in a general contractor. I put in the number one flipper out there and I put in somebody for Airbnb. And um, it's been rave reviews. We've had some turnover, right? With this, uh, with this health event, the flipper left um, and one of the real estate agents decided to downsize a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it definitely is an idea. And I think as this crisis unwinds, it's going to become even more valuable because um, I want to be known for, helping people in Fresno, whether it's an owner that gets in trouble or gets behind, or they've gone on forbearance, but they can't make up their payments. They want to sell. Uh, so I'm letting all the agents know in Fresno that we will, uh, 
we'll be creative, right? If you have, you have a seller who has no equity, come to us, we'll work it out. We'll get you paid. Um, you know, if you're a wholesaler and all your cash buyers disappeared, we got deep pockets at the hub. Um, it's, it's nice. And I'm sending people there. Um, you know, like if you and Sharon wanted to go back and meet the agents, great. You can do that. You can meet, meet folks there. So I think the hub, you know, it's, it's working. I'm happy with it. Uh, but I think it can be so much more, uh, as it unwinds. It's, um, I think it's going to help lots of people. Yeah. I think it's also really cool for you to have it as a real estate investor, because most people who just send out direct mail letters, cold call people, they're like, who, who are you? You're you know, some shady guy who just sending out mails, right? Yeah. Uh, you say, no, I'm actually an established person here. We have a whole yep. office come through to our operations. Yep. Every mail piece we send out, we send a picture of the building. So they know it's legit, right? We show the sign, we show the phone number. Uh, we, most of the time in our mailers, we'll, we'll reference the book, right? It's just another knowledge piece. We invite them to come down and get a free copy. Right, there's a lot of things you can do when you kind of tie all these pieces together and you really come at it from help, right? You, we've even done mail pieces where we don't offer to buy anything and people call us up. We're like, what, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, well, Hey, if you want to talk real estate or you're in trouble, you know, Hey, we can help. We, you know, we've got hundreds of years experience when you add up the teams that are at the office. Um, and I think if you come at it from a service perspective, um, you know, it, it will build over time. And it's nice that again, the debt structure is zero. So if I want to make crazy ass investments and, take a lark I can like in April I, I canceled rent for the building in April because you know in Fresno they have a stay-at-home order and I didn't I didn't want anybody to worry about it I'm still spending a thousand bucks this month on utilities and phones and uh, alarm and all of that stuff but um, I'm doing it because yes I'll get some I'll get some deals out of it but uh, I think it will help a lot more people than just me and you purchased this property with cash yeah I did yep wow so you basically uh yeah, you have almost no like obligations to it besides your utility bills and property mm -hmm. taxes. Yep. Yeah, insurance. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, on purpose. Okay, mm -hmm. very cool. And yeah, uh, I think it's also cool because now all the agents and all the wholesalers will know who you are too. Like, maybe offload a property, you'd probably be one of the first people they contact because they know. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly increasing. Yeah, a lot of cash buyers disappeared in the last three or four weeks. It's funny how the lending dried up and. Now we sit, now you got to call people with real cash. That, that's certainly happening. Exactly. So you want to talk about uh, some deals you're looking at now? Or do you happen to have anything? Uh, so I don't have anything in, so I'm making lots of offers. So what I, I, it's funny. This is, I believe probably for the rest of this year, I'm going to buy more stuff out of the multiple listing service than via wholesalers. It's going to be like 2010 and I wish people would, would see it coming. All you have to do is learn your market, learn your market, look at it every day, pick a zip code, pick an asset type and watch how the market deteriorates over the next 60 to 90 days. More listings, smaller prices, price drops, buyer must sell. It's not happening so much right now. Wait 30 days, it's coming, especially with what Chase Mortgage did with residential. So I've already finding properties that I like. I look every day, like I said, I've looked every day for 20 years. Uh, I wrote 11 offers out of the MLS for the first time on when, Tuesday or Wednesday. And for example, one, two, three of the properties were listed at 150. I wrote them at 100. Wow. I did not expect to get them, but I wanted the agents and the sellers to know that's my number. Um, all three of them, one came back and said, well, we'll take it from 150. We'll sell at 140. I'm like, no, 100. Because um, again, I'm telling them where the market's going. Prices on the way down, just like in 2008, just like in 2009, just like in 2010, sellers remember last month and they're always reluctant. But at some point, 
they will just cry uncle and they will take a cash offer like that. There were ones listed at 125, I wrote up at 85. So I am gonna make a shit ton of offers and I don't expect to get anything until probably July, but I will start getting lots and lots of yes answers out of the multiple listing service. I hope to buy 20 to 30 houses out of the MLS uh, this year. Uh, and again, the beauty of buying it out of the MLS is they're available to everyone. So when I tell you about them on my YouTube channel, just like in my book, everything I got, everything I retired on except two properties was bought out of the multiple listing service. So you can absolutely build a financial future on deals out of the MLS. You don't need to do direct mail. You don't need to door knock. You don't, you know, you don't need to leave text messages and, and wrote, you know, and dialers and all that other nonsense. When the market gets cold and it becomes a buyer versus seller market, the MLS is a great place to fish because everybody runs away scared. Yeah. And luckily for you, you have that access to capital as well. I've got my own little kitty and um, I can replenish it quickly. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so you want to talk about the coronavirus and how it's had like a, how it's affected the market for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for the first thing, again, you got to remember the predominant history of, for me is buy and hold. So let's just say I have 150 tenants. Um, on April, what is it? Mar what month is it? It's April, right? So March 15th, which was a Sunday, I believe. I said, oh God, this thing's going to be real. So I called up my property manager, which I think you have a video uh, of Amanda, right? She was one of them. We also talked with Brad, who is the owner, who's a personal friend. And I said, okay, I want to audit our entire portfolio. I want to know where our income's coming from. I want to know where my risk is. So the short story is about half our income was guaranteed, right? Whether it's federal government via section eight or some other program. So 50% done, right? Can count on it comes in on the first, no problem. Then what we did is we found another 30% or so that was pretty solid, right? It was either a small percentage of the section eight money because the government pays some and tenants pay the other or were tenants that were below market or we knew them for a while or their job was a policeman or PG&E or fireman, somebody that was essential, right? Because we have applications and we know what their jobs were, right? So we knew who was very likely to be um, essential. So we felt good about 80% of our income. That left 20%. And of that 20%, we identified about 20 folks who, are, who we said were at high risk. So by March 18th, we had personally reached out to all 20 of the high risk tenants and said, hey, how you doing? Is everything okay? If you need any help, we're here for you. Um, nobody took us up on it because again, this was like March 18th before Fresno really shut down but we proactively reached out. Um, you know, fast forward to like, what is today the 13th? Mm -hmm. uh, to like the last time I have data, I'll get data at five o'clock, uh, was the 10th, which was Thursday. Uh, we'd collected 86% of our income, um, which is awesome. It's actually a little bit more than I expected. Um, and we still have a week, right? Cause until the 15th is like, that's just a normal month, right? I get like five to 8% of my month rent on the 15th. And you know, so it's been okay, uh, a lot more fear. Uh, we do have five of the 20 that we thought were high risk now in trouble. So they're doing payment plans, right? They lost their income after we talked. Um, so yeah, you know, we have, we have some that we'll have to work with and, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens in May, but so far April has been nearly a normal month. Um, so that's the first thing that this has done is allowed us to, it allowed us to be boring landlords, to be a little bit more excited and a little bit more nervous because 
you hear all this news about 33% not paying and rent strikes and all this other nonsense, it could really freak you out. Um, but thankfully, um, rent collection, we pay all our mortgages, we'll continue to pay our mortgages, we will never ask for forbearance. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take advantage. Next thing we're doing is flipping. So I did have a couple of buyers back out, right? Because they were nervous, their stock portfolios got hit, all of that. Uh, so I had to replace some buyers on my flips. It was very easy. I have a long list of buyers looking for what I'm doing. Uh, so they were one phone call replacements. I think one of them I had to call two people. Uh, so that was no big deal. Um, then I was looking to raise money for three deals I locked up last month. Two of the three people that were ready decided not to. So again, I had to go down the list. Um, so I took three phone calls uh, to get the last 150K replaced. Um, but yeah, so just a little bit more work. Um, you know, to keep that, you know, the six and 20 program going. Uh, and that takes us to today. Um, we have two properties that will be going in the escrow probably in the next week. The buyers are solid, buyers are ready. Uh, and then um, I'm going to look to get aggressive. Um, we haven't bought anything in a while because I knew this was coming. Uh, prices were stupid. Uh, and again, I don't have to buy. That's the beauty of where I sit today, right? I, I, can, I can sit back. The only reason I keep buying is because it's fun. I like, I like using it as content for the YouTube channel. And um, I still get to help people, but I'm not going to overpay. Uh, I tell everybody in whole, I actually did a video like three weeks ago for all the Fresno wholesalers. I'm like, all right, you guys thought I was cheap before. I am really cheap now, right? So if I would have bought your stuff at a hundred, like was the last wholesale deal I bought, um, I'm a, I would pay 75 today. So get ready. And they all thought I was crazy, but they've all come back a month later and said, oh God, you're right. So um yeah, I like calling my shot. If you want to see what I'm doing in my business, I put it out there every day on that YouTube channel, one rental at a time. So that's what I'm doing. When you're making those aggressive offers, are you having the listing agent make it for you or are you having like your own representation like contact? So I have a, yeah, so I have a couple of uh, agents that I have related with the hub. Uh, one of them I talk to almost weekly on the channel, Michael Hernandez. Um, so he does about 60 to 65% of my offers. I just sit down in the evening and I text him like, hey, found another one, found another one. Uh, but then there's about 35% of the listings where I actually have a relationship with the listing agent, right? I've been in Fresno for 20 years. Uh, I'm fairly well known. I've done dozens and dozens of meetups and networked. So if I know the agent, I'll call them directly and say, hey, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm cheap. Oh, by the way, I'm really cheap today. I'm sorry, but you know, I'll perform. Um, so, so far, nobody's taken up on me. Again, it's only been a month. This will take 60 to 90 days to ripple through, but I will be buying stuff for motivated sellers hand over fist in about 60 days. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. And I want to move on to your YouTube channel and how you do your daily uh, like newsletter, but you also talk mm -hmm. to other real estate professionals and investors, right? Mm -hmm. Similar to this podcast. And, mm -hmm. you know, given uh, the information you've gotten from all these people, like what does the state of the market look like? Do you think we're going to be in this crazy recession crisis for three months, six months, a year? Uh, I would tell you, the beauty is you're right. Something that came out of this is, is having to create content every day. You got to get a schedule, right? Um, so yeah, I do those daily shows, which is basically just the summary of what I read in the morning. But what's been very helpful is I have four experts uh, from around the country. Uh, one is kind of a developer right? He's every Monday, 8 a.m., Greg Dickerson. Uh, then I have Anna, REI mom, Kelly, uh, who's very big in apartments and kind of landlord like myself. Just She's actually bigger than I am on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. Uh, I have Matt, um, I'm, 
Matt, uh, forgetting his last name, but he's in Los Gatos, right? He's a, he's a syndicator. And then I have Jonathan Twomley, who's a, who's a huge syndicator who actually called his shot 18 months ago and sold his entire portfolio. All right. So I have, I have, I talked to 200, these, these folks have 200 years of experience when you add them up. So their general feeling about the market is, um, it's going to be a slow road back. It's going to probably be 18 months. It's going to be lumpy. Uh, it will be very lending based. Um, there's a general feeling that apartments will do the best um, versus because some of the guys like Matt does mixed use, right? Uh, he's like, well, healthcare will be okay, but retail will suck. And um, you know, Jonathan's like, God, you wouldn't touch office space now and retail sh- malls are toast. So it's going to be, it's going to be painful. It's going to take a while to unwind. Uh, all of them reached out to me on Friday when Chase announced their update uh, for residential. And they all said, Ooh, that's going to hurt. Um, because you're, anytime you reduce the buyer pool that can say yes, that's going to impact transactions, impact pricing. Yeah. I mean, um, for those who know, those of uh, the listeners who don't know what that is, do you want to briefly explain? Yeah. So basically Chase is the number three lender for residential properties. Think your house. And they basically came out and said, we're changing our guidelines. Now a, ba- a bank like Chase can't come out and say they don't want to lend because that would like violate covenants and things they have. So what they did is just raise the standards, right? It went from 620 credit score to 700 and they mandate now 20% down and they're not doing jumbo, right? Which takes out most of the Bay area, right? So it's like, Ooh, right. You just shrunk your available pool of yes answers. If hundred was the, was the base, it's probably like 28 now, right? Cause they just, they whacked off 80% of the potential people. Right. And uh, probably other lenders are going to do it. And that's because of all this forbearance that they have to suffer through and future foreclosures and all that stuff. So there's going to be pain in the system. That chase news was painful, but don't be, don't be forget Freddie and Fannie did the same thing for multifamily a week ago. Um, Right. They came out and just screwed with multifamily lending because now what they're mandating is 18 month of reserves. And on a post on Facebook where she had something that was like, going to close that day. And then the funders just like, Nope, Nope, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Nope. nope. Yeah. Lending, lending. I mean, if, if you want to track one thing to understand if real estate's going to go up or down, watch how easy or hard lending's getting. And right now we are on a negative, if not very negative track where lending is getting ridiculously hard. So I promise you pricing will come down. Yeah. Um, it's it's so crazy a- because like we were really well funded just a month ago. Like, for example, I'm a hard money lender, right? Mm-hmm. I work with Conventus Lending and then just poof, like the people that we sell the loans to, gone, yep. right? And so then you, know, you can't lend at the super high LTVs anymore. You have to be more conservative. Dude, like there was no, nothing to predict that this would come in, right? Well, I could have told you it was coming, but <laughs> the, the, the pandemic was certainly not predicted. The, the, whatever pricked the bubble, I could never have predicted, but lending goes in cycles. We were never going to be at, because we were doing, I've been borrowing for 20 years. And other than 2006, the lending environment that we left in 2019 was the most ludicrous. It, we were back to no doc loans. We were doing 90% purchase price, 100% of repairs for people who had very little experience. Those are not normal. And very cheap too, by the way, 9% yeah. in one point, something like that. Yeah. That's not normal. Yes. It feels good. Yes. We feel liquid. Yes. You can wrap those up and sell them off, but that's not normal. I promise you that's not normal. Um, but yeah, when it gets to that point 
And that's why I go to real estate meetups because I want to see what people are doing. And I, I was very clear. I think when I did your meetup now a year ago, I'm like, hmm, a lot of syndicators here. Wonder what that means. Yeah. I did a 90-minute talk in Virginia in early February, and I was very negative on syndicators because multifamily was so overpriced. And again, I put my money where my mouth is. I sold apartment buildings in 19, and people thought I was crazy. I look like a freaking genius now because, again, I don't get I, – I just watch momentum. And right now, momentum is swinging back the other way. And, you know, in very short order, people will be scared again. And I'll just buy hand over fist. And again, the best time to buy for me, the most meaningful year in all of my investing career was 2010. It's when I could buy out of the MLS for land value. A fully functioning house, land value. It's going to happen. So uh, it's interesting that you say that because most of those experts on your channel are all in the multifamily space, right? Uh, Yes. Well, they all do at least a portion of their business in multifamily, correct? Yeah. And like, I mean, I know I was very interested in multifamily back in 2018. I was reading all these different books, listening to different podcasts about apartment buildings. Yeah, it's sexy. It's so good, right? Recession proof. And here we are. (laughs) It seems like multifamily is going to get hurt. Like, oh, it's going to get crushed. It's, it's going to go yeah. down 30%. There, there, we did, um, who did I do that with? I think I did that with Jonathan Twomley. Should have watched my, it, it would have been Thursday. Yeah, Thursday morning. What would that be? The ninth? Yeah, the ninth. We did a report um, showing if cap rates just went back to the normal of six and a half and vacancies just went up a little bit, economic vacancies, properties are going to fall 30%. Jeez. Multifamily is going to get smoked. So then what's the, like, what's the situation? You're going to wait for all of them to get foreclosed on and then try, try to buy them off? Again, dude, I tell people what I'm doing. So multifamily will take a while to unwind because they have three, five, seven, 10-year terms, right, where their debt is fixed. And most of them were doing value add. So they were trying to exit via a refi and recapture all of that money. Their refi is gone now because when they refi, the cap rate will be higher and the value will be lower. So there's no exit. But they can still hold up until that period right? They don't have to sell, um, but they're not going to be able to. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to buy as many houses as I can, just like I did in my book. People, the freaking book tells you the game plan. I'm going to buy as many houses as I can. Houses will come back first. I will then sell them via 1031 exchange, and I will move all my equity from houses that appreciate into multifamily in three to seven years. It's exactly how I went from eight houses to 80 units in 2007. I'm doing the same thing again. Sounds like a pretty good strategy. And what would you recommend for someone who's just starting off like right now, right now? Learn your market. No, this is the best time on the world. Oh, good time to learn, but bad time to, well, if if you have no money, right? You don't have- No, you you got to learn your market. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if you have stock money, you got a big bonus, you got a million dollar inheritance because mom and dad died. Freaking A, go out and learn your market. Pick a market, pick a zip code, pick an asset type and watch it every day for 90 days. I promise you, this will be an amazing time to learn your market because you will see it change in front of your eyes. I did this for seven years from 2000, uh, five years from 2002 to 2007. It was just up and to the right. It was so hard. But then when the market turned, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I know what I'm doing. I know the prices and rents and all of that. So no, you, you don't spend a dime. Don't write an offer. Don't do anything. Learn your market for the next 90 days. Understand where it's going. And then if you don't have any money, 
Then sell what you have learned to others. Hey, I know this zip code in San Jose better than anybody else. I know this zip code in San Jose, this asset type better than anyone else. You need to look at property 123 Main Street because it is priced 20% below anything else. The, the seller's got to sell. Oh, by the way, just bring me in for 5% JV or, or whatever, right? If you don't have any money, do that. Learn your freaking market. This is, real estate's not hard. It doesn't, all these other fancy things come out when times are good. Doesn't matter. Real estate is about buy when you, you make your money when you buy. Learn your market. Only do great deals. I talk about markets are made up of bad, average, good, and great deals. Everybody should only be doing great deals today. When markets are up and to the right, you can get away with doing good or great deals because appreciation takes care of you. But when markets roll over, when lending gets tight, you better be only doing great deals. Yeah. Awesome advice. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show again today. Do you have any last pieces of advice that you'd like to give to our listeners before we finish up? Uh, what I would tell you is this will pass. It will feel uncomfortable for a while. Uh, again, uh, there are opportunities in chaos. Some folks will lose their houses. Some folks will lose that forbearance is not the answer. Uh, this will be painful. The Silicon Valley specifically where you and I are going to feel a lot of pain, probably second only to New York. I think New York feels the most pain, New York City specifically. Uh, but I think the Bay Area is in for some trouble. Uh, but there will be opportunity in the chaos. We will get through this. Um, yeah, it, it, everything will be okay. Yeah, you'll get through it. You know, I was wondering, like, how many foreclosures do you think will happen here in the Bay? Because, yeah, right now it's bad because we're in shelter in place. We can't go to work. Business are closing. Mm -hmm. But one shelter in place is lifted. Supposedly, we're going to go back to work, get our jobs back, and then pay off whatever mm -hmm. forbearance or loans that we have. And then we should be back to neutral. Well, uh, I think that's a dangerous assumption. I think if you work at the big players, if you work at Cisco or you work at VMware or you know, Salesforce or any of the big shops, yeah, probably. But I promise you there are lots of startups that won't survive this. Um, you know, if, you were, if you needed equity, right, you were looking for a capital raise, uh, you were going to Sand Hill for some, you know, some, some of those folks, uh, we're going to lose a lot of startups. Uh, there will be some acquisitions. Uh, the Bay Area is going to see their bubble popped. Uh, people were buying stuff because of their RSUs and stocks. Uh, I believe the tech stocks will take a hit in the next 45 days in the market, which will make more people not want to buy. Um, yeah, it's, I, don't, I think the Bay Area, I'm pretty negative on the Bay Area pricing, frankly. You don't see like a, like a pent up, like, I can't wait till this all over so I can go out and buy more things? No. No, no I think Tesla is going to get hit. I think people are going to realize they don't need a $100,000 car. Um, yeah, I think the Bay Area is going to be in trouble. I'd love to be wrong, right? I live here, right? I know lots of people here. Um, I've just, like, you know, my book, right? I wrote about the affordability index and I've been talking about the Bay Area being unaffordable for a long time. I think once the, uh, once the balloons popped, it's got to go, it's got to deflate. And unfortunately, that means there's a lot of pain in the Bay Area. Yeah, that would be very, very painful if market prices drop say 10, 15%. Oh, I think they can go down 20. I think New York goes down 40, but I think the Bay Area could go down 20. Wow. Now that'll New come York back. goes down right? 40. I'm down to buy some stuff in New York. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think New York, I mean, just think about what's going on in New York, right? Why, why have it, why? And again, I say this owning property there, right? My daughter lives in Queens. So, I mean, I watch it. I don't watch it as much as Fresno, the Bay Area, but I know it fairly well. One of the reasons New York is, you know, hardest hit is because it's the most concentrated spot in America, right? It's very vertical. Uh, various, you know, subways and mass transit and all that stuff. So what was the strength of New York is now seen as an Achilles heel. And there are lots of seniors that will take this opportunity to get out. 
there's a lot of millennials that now realize they could work from home and they're like, fuck it. I'm not living in New York. I'll go live in Boston or in Jersey or somewhere else. Uh, so yeah, if you get a 15, 20% population after this event, prices have to come down. Prices are already soft, right? Um, yeah, I think New York's, oh, New York's in trouble. That's so interesting. I had a similar feeling of people leaving cities for suburbs or just, you know, an hour away once like self-driving cars were more, you know, easily available. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you live in Tracy if, yeah. you know, you, your, your car drives itself? You can just chill in your car for two hours. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Just a, a mobile meeting room, right? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. All right, Michael, well, thank you again so much for being on the show today. How can people get in contact with you? I would tell you just to go to YouTube and look up one rental at a time. Uh, I put out at least a couple of videos a day. Subscribe and let's, let's talk every day. Sounds good. All right, Michael. Thanks again. Take care. So here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. Now is a great time to learn your market. Spend 90 days looking at a specific market every single day and you are going to be a local expert. And this crisis is going to present a great opportunity for real estate investors who are able to take advantage of the coming market drop. So continue to put your offers in. And if you want to hear more from Michael, definitely go check out his YouTube channel, One Rental at a Time, for more daily real estate investing news. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.